Welcome to the Shadow Things Podcast. everybody welcome to the shadow things podcast i'm that guy brent i'm vanessa spencer and we're here to talk some shit today about uh a really cool what is it a docuseries first off we're not talking shit all right we're talking we're talking this thing up we're talking it up and we're just this, talking this series is essential yeah, yeah yeah i mean not like shit talking what we're going to be talking about but while we're talking, we're going to be talking about all kinds of shit. Yeah. is kind of what I was talking about. It's so going to be good. Let's just get into this shit. So we're going to be talking about the docu-series called Hellier. You can find it on YouTube and Prime Video. Yeah, Prime Video for free. So you, there's two seasons. You can watch both seasons for absolutely no cost. Um, yeah, so if you want to really follow along with what we're talking about today um you probably want to unfortunately stop the uh stop podcast. listening right now and go watch it yeah because i will tell you that there is going to be spoilers galore in this um this podcast about hellier so but if you're into that shit then stay tuned yeah and and from from my end i, I really i mean yeah there's gonna be spoilers but i really want to give away uh, not giveaway. I just want to kind of talk about the deeper things in there, like, and just kind of get into the nitty gritty about what we see on screen, and then talk about maybe what we think of what's going on with the whole fucking series. I don't mind saying what the fuck. You know what I yeah, mean? It's definitely one of those uh, one of those type of shows where when I watched it, the only the thing I I first saw it on, I was bored shitless, and I. And I was scrolling through Prime Video for something. I think I was looking for like Bigfoot shit yeah. or something to watch, and or maybe some UFO stuff. But I seen like I seen the Goblin, you know, the famous Goblin, the uh, Hellier Goblin, the, the Hellier Goblin on the thing, and it said Hellier, and I'm like, well, hell yeah, Hellier, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I like, yep. So I checked out the trailer, and I was like, or is there a trailer? So I just hit play, I think, and. I will say from about the first 10 minutes on, I was hooked. It's weird. Because the second when Greg's like, this thing, or Greg or Carl, one of the two, he's like, the synchronicities. And I was glued. Yeah, that was like one of the first couple of sentences they started talking about uh -huh. the synchronicities, which is very prominent in the show. I mean, every episode. You'll hear that word a lot. They really find a lot of these so-called synchronicities that kind of guide their path through the whole the whole adventure, but um so so really it so what's hell you're about? Uh what is just give kind of an overview about what we're talking about. So this paranormal group, they and, were ghost hunters. And by the way, if you guys hear like a slurpy sound, I'm just getting a drink here, so. Word, word. Um 
it's a group of they just did ghosts like dead ass they just did ghosts and they got this like chain of these strange emails from this guy david christie and uh claimed to live in was it in it was in hellier kentucky he actually when you go back and look and i've watched it three times and i think you've watched it at least twice uh-huh it does not his email doesn't specify hellier during that first one it just that's says, why i was questioning what i was about to say like wait it's like on the border between <laughs> or on the kentucky border the narrator yeah with that uh, cool voice but no so oh real quick did you know that 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 snippet of that david christie email that first went to greg newkirk uh was not actually the entire snippet really if you go to the is it the one podcast euphemet podcast where they're talking about the kentucky goblins case if you go back and listen to that actual podcast episode um the entire full-length email is available so you don't actually see the entire email on hellier Wow. It goes into a little... It didn't cut out much, but there are some important things that I think maybe should have been left in there, but is what it is. It's still a great opening. You know, they just get yeah. a estranged email and fucking off they go. Down the rabbit hole. Yeah. So what happens next? So he gets the emails. This guy's claiming that there's weird shit happening around his house. Um goblins took his dog just just off the chain shit i forgot they took the dog yeah i'm calling the aspc i'm calling pita job and family is pita correct pita yeah i like i, I like wheat pitas with tuna oh fuck okay um so basically this guy's just saying all this off the chain shit he's finding three-toed footprints in his Yard or whatever and in the mud. It's very important not to call it mud, by the way. It's called slurry. It's. I thought it was just slur. Uh, no, it's slurry. slurry. Slurry is the the shit that blows out of a mine yeah. after after time. So even makes it a little more suspicious. Is it's slurry prints? Right. There's three toed prints in the slurry, and well, just all this bizarre shit. He kept he catches a picture of what he claims to be this creature that's coming to his windows and which is pretty creepy looking like oh like it legit looks like that profile shot and here's a here's a couple of spoilers there's a profile shot of this supposed alien goblin or whatever it is um peeking around a tree a tree and it's like it's pretty cool looking like you can tell that whoever sent this probably didn't fake it because it's not a great picture yeah. But it's awesome because it you can clearly see and I don't think it's matrixing or paradigm or anything like that. I I think there's something there. I don't know if that's from the case or and I have my own opinion about this whole hellier thing and at the end we'll share that. You yeah. Know? But um yeah, very cool pictures and you were talking about the the three toed footprints this mm-hmm. guy named David Christie had sent in the emails, second or third emails. A picture of the prints. What's what's fascinating to me is that they have the dermal ridges in the That bothers footprints. me. Like, yeah, it's like a real biological creature. Yeah, with skin. Like yeah. With some sort of, Just yeah. like we have dermal prints. So um, that picture was either a pretty good hoax or... Um, I just don't feel that way. It was a fucking goblin. Yeah. So, but here's my question. Where's, where's the rest of the prints? Why didn't David Christie get the trailing so if it's 
it's if it's heavy enough to make an indentation of one print or two even or maybe even three where does it go where's it coming from the now they did say it's an excellent point they did say later on in the episode they were talking to a couple of those uh those hill guys yeah i almost was rude but i'm not going to be nah some of those jim bobs down there yeah and we're we're very clear about the fact that that slurry that quote-unquote slurry was very wide for being slurry it was a wide path so there was a large amount of slurry why did david christie not capture the trailing just one conclusion yeah it's I think one print that was prominently featured in Hellier. Yeah, that's what we know. And I'm not blaming Hellier. I think it's good evidence. But why did if David Christie had these little bastards all over the property and they were making prints all over the place? Where's where's all of the footprints? And now they technically never said that anything not to my knowledge about and i watched this twice like been dedicated sit down and yeah, binge. binge what like they never actually said that there were paths or like leaving prints everywhere no. he just said here's this print that yeah. i found i'm just thinking outside the box like, no that's a good point yeah like, i never even thought about that when 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 game trackers hunt um you know deer and other other game wildlife um they're looking for you know the initial prints or the tall tail signs but tracking is tracking it's to track where the creature the animal went yeah um so you you certainly should be able to track those footprints further but this was an email that came unsolicited to like you said just a ragtag group of ghost hunters at the time well actually just to kind of go back on that, they were not ragtag when they uh, received the email. So mm-hmm. Greg and Dana Newkirk had a um, couple of rival ghost hunting groups back in the day, and Greg's was called Ghost Hunters Inc. And they stopped doing that for a period of time, and the website just kind of sat there, as he described in the film mm-hmm. or the series. And you know, and I've had websites just sit there because you know it's kind of a labor of love that you don't want to just hit delete yeah and it just sat there for a while but um got the unsolicited email about these goblins from this guy named david christie and um what do you what what should i expect a full if david christie could show all the prints why wouldn't he just solve the case you know so so dummy me for criticizing the footprint but the footprint was really cool what else what else was strange about the david christie stuff he disappeared and now there's in between stuff but that's just what jumps out at me is that as quickly as he came he was gone yeah the email stopped and so the 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 investigative team so we'll talk about who they are in a second but they concluded finally after records not showing any sign of this david christie fella that he was fake at least his persona was not real they they found record of david m parsons yeah david actually david parsons didn't that come to be somebody that was associated with that random house that they found or something like that i could be wrong i 
feel like I recognize what you're saying. I could be wrong too. I feel like that's there's some truth to that. I'm had something sure. to do with yeah David Parsons, but and then the Parsons last name became part of the whole synchronicity. Kept popping up everywhere for these hole. people. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so it all started with the David Christie emails that came out of the blue for, into a defunct website, and then Greg had sent a couple of replies back. Yada yada, they got interested and said, "Fuck it, we'll do the case." Now, come correct, David Christie claimed to, you know, he claimed that somebody had sent him their way and said that they could help, and that which is a huge part of the series is Terry Wrist. Yeah, so but there's a middleman in there, and nobody knows who it is. So it was a friend of David Christie who had who was friends with Terry Wrist, mm. who recommended Greg Newkirk to help. Which is interesting. And Greg doesn't know who the fuck Terry Wrist is. Word. So they go and they check out, you know, do some research on who this Terry Wrist could be. And automatically they, they think the name is a play on the words terrorist. and um, Rightfully so. And ufology and those circles. A lot of uh, names are... I don't know if you call them acronyms, but just twists, plays on different words yeah. um, that make that make sense to the to the author. But um, the name Terry Wrist, the only reference they could find was came back to a book that was written by an author named Alan Greenfield, and it was like the secret cipher, secret cipher of the of UFO. The yeah, there yeah. you go. Um, which I would like to check out. I haven't, but somewhere in like the, I think it's like in, in the in the the end or the indexes. Um, there's an interview between Greenfield and this Terry Wrist, mm-hmm. and Terry Wrist was a ex Vietnam veteran who formed a quote unquote kick ass alien cave based team with other vets that went underground and kicked the shit out of. Aliens that lived under the earth, or goblins, or yeah, whatever or whatever. At this point, whatever we don't the know. Shit they are, but um, yeah. So that's the link they found to this Terry Wrist. What's interesting is, is that maybe like three or four episodes in, they started getting fucking emails from Terry Wrist. Yeah. After they had kind of let the case go cold, and they went to the Brown Mountain, South Carolina area, or North Carolina, I can't remember. North. And uh, we're checking out a supposed uh, coordinates. Yeah, the coordinates of a. Well, hold on. They were checking out the this alien cave base entrance with a guy named Micah Hanks. Yeah. And they went and did all that, and when they got back, they got an email from a T. Wrist. Yeah. Terry Wrist, and it said some obscure shit like weird shit. Yeah, like the, the ink and the black and yeah. the the order is. MIA or something like that, but um, included little snippets of pieces of paper that had these numbers on them. Uh-huh. Then they, you know, ran the numbers and the, somebody said it looks like coordinates. Well, the coordinates, if you plug them into Google Earth, latitude and longitude look like they're right in the area of that Brown Mountain alien cave base entrance that they just left. And the email said something to the effect, you were so close. You know, why did you stop? Yeah. But the investigative team, the Newkirks, uh, Connor Randall, and, and uh, Carl Pfeiffer, uh, didn't tell anybody about their trip down there at that time. So it wasn't public knowledge. Yeah. And they get this email all of a sudden, which is pretty freaky. If the whole Hellier Q 
case and shows legitimately how things went down. I just can't see it any other way. I couldn't write a movie no. that would jive that, that well. So No, that would take a lot of patience. Yeah, there's, there's speculations that, that that whole series is just the creative mind of someone, which is good entertainment, but coming from that world too, I mean... I got to believe these guys are. I can't see any other way are, around it. Are really on to something, you know? They they believe it, and I've seen weird shit too. But um, so yeah, they they're introduced to David Christie at first, then this Terry Wrist, and then they know about this Greenfield fella, Alan Greenfield, and um, then the whole show just goes into a bunch of other stuff. So they finally get to Hellier. Yeah. So they get to Hellier. So Hellier is in Pike County, Kentucky. And like we said earlier, nobody down there has heard of David Christie. So the first thing to get on there and do is they park at this fucking gas station, the right? The hub of The Hellier. hub. And I'll get into this more too, but I've been to that gas station. I didn't even know that. See, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, the gas station's pretty tight. I got a picture of it. But it's not tight, by the way. Um <laughs> So they go to this gas station and just talk, start talking to people. It's like the, the only thing you really know how to do. Hey, do you know David Christie? No. And then there's a bunch of Jimmies that's telling them to uh, kind of watch their backs and don't be careful who you trust. And Just you know, weird shit. The guy's got a bunch of skull in his mouth like, don't be trusting them fuckers. Makes the spit sound. Yeah, boy. <laughs> and that's kind of how it is down there. But um, start talking to people have no idea about no David Christie and really haven't had any encounters with goblins or, you know, coming out of caves. There's a lot of caves down there, but. But that was the theme though. A lot of these people said they, they never experienced anything, but then later in the conversation be like, well, yeah, well, there's one time that big foot Snatch granny off the porch. I seen the moth man. I seen that moth man. <laughs> well, and then they told the story about. Here's something that bothered me about the documentary, which I think that should have been different. So I'm not. It's not shit talking, but I'm going to be real with it. So right about that time, they had some of the locals come out and recount the story of the UFO that hung out for hours and hours over top of the... That story was crazy to hear. It's Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And they said it was just there. And a it cylinder. Was a cylinder shape, too, yeah. like two of them really close. but And it was on the news. So I was like, man, this is cool. It was in that paper. Hang on, I'm about to slurp. Hold on. She's going to slurp. But it was in that newspaper. It was even on the news, the local news down there in Pike County. Um So the documentary took that as some shit that was weird down there. So they have UFO sightings. They got the goblin shit, um, the emails. Everything's kind of spooky. But what the documentary failed to do, and maybe they did not uncover this. And they're very brilliant people, like some of the best people out there, Mm -hmm. investigative uh, wise, you know, in this type of in these circles. But. That email, or email, that UFO sighting was debunked in 2013. And really? Yeah, the Hellier, the Hellier um, release was in 2019, I believe. So mm-hmm. I think both seasons. But um, six years ago, that thing was debunked. Well, what was it? So it was Google. 
Yeah, it's kind of heartbreaking. Wow. So I researched it, and there was um, a Google-financed tech venture called Project Loon that the goal was to suspend cylinder-like high-pressure helium balloons over top of rural Appalachia in order to get Internet to unconnected parts of the country. That's all that was. Interesting. It's verified that that was Project Loon. Those balloons actually were tethered at one point and then floated up into Canada from the Appalachia, southern, southeastern Kentucky area. Wow. No UFOs, easily researchable, but in the documentary it comes off as a fantastical UFO sighting. But yeah, I just that's... wanted to bring that to light. It no, was... I'm glad you did because I really like thought that was a thing. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's in the Washington Times even, but... Um, yeah, it was uh, debunked. Um, Center for Skeptical Inquiry kind of tore that up as well. But I was excited about that when it was in the... Me too. Yeah, because, like, man, you could see it on the video and everything. And that's, like, not far from us. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not far at all. But, yeah, not a... What well, was a UFO? Because nobody knew what the fuck it was. But, yeah. Um, in the true sense, it was something that we had put up there. It was it was very high too. It was sixty thousand feet in the air. Wow. Yeah, and just a balloon. That's insane. Yeah. See? So, but that made it. That You're gave hear my chair. Hold on. That gave the, um, you know, the beginning parts of Hellier some some appeal that strange shit was going on there. And then I want to talk about a little bit of you know Dana Newkirk. She love her. Yeah, she. Um, had mentioned sort of in her, her, the the intimate interviews. You know, they're in your living room at the beginning, and um, she's talking about how they felt when they got to Hellier. You know, when they first got there, you know, they go through this little road, and there's these tall pillars. And uh, Connor Randall had said something to the effect of it felt like they were forgotten. You know, the town was forgotten, and mm-hmm. and you kind of do get. By the way, that then pillars are not there. They're part of. They are there, but they're part of a complete bridge system now. So there's actually a bridge that goes. They finished it. Yeah. They, well, I don't know if it's finished, but there is a bridge. Okay. So, but there is a lot of construction and stuff. So. Okay. Um. So yeah, but anyhow, Dana had mentioned, um, that she felt very uneasy down there, mm-hmm. and you know they got these guys saying watch your back and stuff like that. So, um, I can. I can say without a doubt that that feeling is down there, but but really, it's for me, it's uncomfortable because I know what what goes on down in that part of southeastern Kentucky, and it's not and it's not all butterflies and rainbows for sure. A lot of drugs, a lot uh-huh. of crime. Um, as you know, you and I have actually been in that part of. I was getting ready to say the house, the property that we stayed at, yeah, was so uncomfortable. Yeah, when I was a kid. Well, so. We have visited that area of western West Virginia and southeastern Kentucky. It's kind of the tri-state area, but mm-hmm. there's a creek that runs through Hellier. It's called Marbone Creek. That goes. That's the same creek that goes in front of the house that you and I stayed at. Um, along a road called Jenny's Creek, which is uh, it's a probably 15 miles north of Hellier, but. The same haulers, as they call it. Oh, yeah. And we have actually ran the, the roads of Hellier uh, to and from the highways. You didn't know it, but we did. 
Wow. So, um, but back in those days, and not to get all wrapped up in this, but I went four-wheeling one time with a bunch of yimity yous down there. I can't. <laughs> and um, it was a ye old time for sure, but it scared the shit out of me because the guys that I went four-wheeling with, you know, they were all local. Right. And they were cool. Yeah. But just like Dana was referring to, I got that uneasy feeling. These guys took took us up into this power line park nearby. It's kind of like a just an open area where they had um, carved out the woods for power lines and stuff. It was like a South Central Power type deal. Yeah. I don't know where exactly it's. Probably closer to Elkhorn City or somewhere over in that area. Old strip mine where they ran power lines through and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. anyhow, we got out there and we stopped and, you know, there's nothing out there. And this one guy, that, you know, the one of the hellier locals, he was like, yeah, you don't want to fuck around out here. Not the accent. <laughs> Cause, and he looked at me. He goes, because you'll wind up getting thrown in a fucking hole and forgot about Oh, my. Yeah. Dude was cool, but he was trying to scare me like I was some city fuck. Well, actually, I was. Yeah. And I was scared. So you never went four-wheeling ever again after that, right? Yeah. I uh, did not. Nope. I did not. Not a chance in hell. That guy was not part of the family that we were with, but he was a friend of that the family. But um, he did say that. And then the guy that I was with, I can't say names, but... Yeah. Um, he was like, yeah, there's, and I, this struck me funny because of Hellier. He's like, yeah, there's a lot of caves down here people disappear in. Shut up. I remembered that when I was researching, kind of putting notes together for the show today. Last night, I remembered that, and I was like, I remember that guy saying something about, he, he, I remember him talking about vertical cave shafts that went straight down and then went, you know, kind of uh, horizontal. But he, I don't know why they meant to say that, but or what the reasoning was, but I said a lot of people would disappear. You know, a lot of crimes and bodies would find their way down these shafts. And that brings me back, circling back to Hellier, and this jumps way far ahead, but I'll be all over the place today because it's this whole case is just so exciting to me. Let's be real, though. It's called Ayer. Ayer. So towards, like, mid to end of the second season, they start talking about secret societies and shit. Right. And, like, secret crimes and, like, just weird shit. Right. And that kind of, that's what that reminds me of. People, yeah. just bad people and weird people and wow, like, getting thrown into caves. Got to be devil worshippers down there, worshiping. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got to be some weird shit going on down there. But there's a lot of crime. Yeah. There's a lot of Jimmy families that <laughs> that do not, that are, they do not take to strangers. No. And I got a lot of that. I remember the person that I was with at that time said, if a fight breaks out in the family while we're visiting, stay the fuck out of it. I was exclusively to- told, even if they punch me in the face, stay out of it. And this is the same family that I was around? Yes, and that's why I didn't wind up in a hole. I'm not part of the Goblin Cave legend. <laughs> but just to kind of summarize all that, there are a lot of caves out there. Yeah, There are a lot of... Uh, bad people mm-hmm. that don't give a shit. I mean, but tying that into something spooky, I'm not 100% sure. Now, I will say that I also heard stories from not those same people, but 
on those trips down there, I, I asked a, an older couple about bear sightings once. Yeah. And they said, yeah, we get the bears and stuff rolling around the hills here, but we also have werewolves. Shut up. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, And it was like, yeah, if you go up around something knob and up the mountain, <laughs> uh, you get to the top of the mountain and there's a fence line that has no trespassing property U.S. government. I don't know how true that is because in my research, I don't know of any government installation up there, but supposedly, according to these elder locals in the Hellier area, there's the top of the mountain with some government fence with some area you can't get in. Well, there's supposedly hunters have seen this half man, half wolf type looking thing up there. And they, the local legend is that it escaped from whatever the hell's beyond the fence because it was some part of mutations and government, uh, shenanigans. So there's a werewolf in Hellier, I guess. But no, I didn't hear anything about goblins or anything. But um, I did see a raccoon uh, get fed Doritos down there. That's sick. It was a pet. Do you remember when you took me snipe hunting? Oh, yeah. On but, that very hold property? Hold on. Wait a fucking minute. Snipes are fucking goblins. What? It, now I anything's possible. Because they were under the ground. And yeah. they were about yay tall. Oh, speaking of... Did you know that uh, so that so the gang the Hellier gang the alien cave base kicking ass task force or whatever they labeled it yeah. as which is cool uh, closely tied the Hellier goblins of David Christie's property into the Hopkinsville Kelly um, Kentucky goblins case of the is about sixty years ago yeah so the Sutton family they saw these goblin aliens that appeared in the windows and was flying around the trees and shit. Yeah. They started shooting at them, became a big sensation in the news. And then project blue book, the U S government actually took the case on, couldn't find explanations for it, blah, blah, blah. Then they finally said it was a hoax. So they labeled the goblin thing as a hoax. There's a lot of evidence that determined that the Sutton family was drunker than shit. I'm not saying they were, but it is, Western, southern part of Kentucky. The likelihood. You know, down in Naugatuck. You know what I mean? You get the guy named Popcorn out there in the still. Shut up. They may have been intoxicated. I think that the investigations back then found that they were tipping the bottle a little bit. Sipping on Grandpa's cough syrup. So the conclusion by the government was a hoax, but a lot of UFO investigators and the ufology circles label it as a case of mistaken identity where people just thought it was aliens and goblins and all that, but it was really the great horned owl. As Listen, in the same thing that they blame Mothman on in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. I don't. After the fourth kind, I don't fuck with owls. Yeah, owls are kind of, I don't want them bastards at my window. I'm good. Yeah. Like, I'm so good. So, so they, the, the Hellier team uh, ties in the, the Hopkinsville case to their own little adventure and then tie in the mammoth cave system which runs all throughout kentucky and different parts of other states and you've been there right i've been to mammoth cave yeah yeah Yeah, i've been to cave city they talked about where the little girl came up to him and said yeah the children come out of the caves and they're little monsters and oh hell no so i've been to cave city and it's just like greg described it's like tourist trap with big dinosaurs and little restaurants and stuff but 
Um, now I'll tell you what, the cave is creepy. Like Mammoth Cave is creepy, but I've never been into any other caves down there. It, it is the largest cave system, I think, in the world. Really? Yeah, so. Kyle and I talked about going there. Like, it popped up. This He watched it. My husband watched it for the first time with me just this last time. I went through it. He's obsessed. He's so invested. But they talked about Mammoth Cave and Cave City and stuff like that. He's ready. Yeah. Like, he's ready to roll. That's cool. But... Yeah, it's, it's so I can see where, you know, from a crypto side, if there's something living in caves and you got a strange case over here on this part of the state and you look at the Hopkinville, uh, Kelly, Kelly Hopkinville uh, case that occurred 60 years ago, that you might tie in that there's maybe some goblins in the caves and they come out and terrorize people every now and again. But Hellier, the series, is much more than goblins. Hellier touches on spirituality mm-hmm. um you know ancient not I, w- I don't want to say mythology but you know deities and paganism and um ufology mm-hmm. touches on mothman um there's a nice tarot session like in episode three that kind of dictates that they're you know on a mythicities thing so they they call them synchronicities, but they also define those synchronicities as the reason why they're able to have the adventure. One thing leads to another because they it's, have these experiences. Each synchronicity is like you're on the right path or you're on to something. Right. Or here's the next step. Right. So So I'm going to I'm going to do this early. And I'm going to tell you what I think the whole thing is about. Oh, God. You dread me, don't you? Sometimes. Okay. So I I am going to invent a new word, a new phrase in paranormal circles. And just remember, you heard it here folks, okay. first. So SP, synchronistic pareidolia. Oh, so you don't like the word pareidolia because it reflects or relates to matrixing, you yeah. know, or seeing faces in the clouds. But Jesus in your toast. Yeah, but not necessarily. So they get this email from David Christie, and it starts this whole, hey, go to Hellier, and let's just see what it's about. Mm-hmm. Well, my thing is, is I think that they started experiencing these coincidental occurrences and it propelled them forward, which is great for the show and yeah. for the for the adventure. But in my opinion, you know, they have that that phrase, that kind of catch slogan that Hellier was just a symptom. Yeah. In my opinion, Hellier was not a symptom. I think that the journey was a symptom. I think, in my opinion, that they received this genuine email from an unknown person. And then they started this adventure. And once they got down there and they discovered absolutely shit leads that they just happened to start experiencing these coincidences, which fueled their fantastic journey forward. Once Mm -hmm. you get a load of that type of um, synchronistic experience, you know, you start to believe in it more and you start looking for more synchronicities. Once you experience it once, like the whole 
the whole thing about people seeing 1111, even I was a part of that because I seen 1111 all over the place. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I was looking for it. I even created like little galleries on my Facebook with 1111. I seen that shit everywhere. Yeah. Well, why would they not go down there and have a few coincidental things, very fantastically timed things happen and start looking for more? And then it be, just becomes like an adventure based on pareidolia. So that I agree with. Like, at some point, you're going to just start habitually looking for this shit. Like, Parsons. Or you're going to start looking for tin cans with no label. Now, the tin can thing, that whole Estes experiment, um, yeah, the whole that whole thing, the tin cans that you just mentioned, yeah. I, I don't know that that was... I put stock into that experiment. I don't think that was pareidolia or, or coincidence. I don't think it was a synchronicity issue as well. I think it was I think it was something I don't know, just some kind of communication that, that Connor had received. That Estes method, that episode and then the one where Dana is under she's in she's got the mask on and yeah. she's doing that it. Took place at the TNT in Point Pleasant. She's doing it Facebook Live. Oh, that one, yeah. And she just has all this weird shit coming through. Those two are like my favorite episodes because it's just so, like, it's so fascinating. Yeah. I guess my point was they get, now since Hellier was released, they get emails and messages all the time. Oh, I've seen this fucking mylar balloon in the woods. Like, which which I went on to see with Mandy. Yeah, and you told me you've seen. Everywhere. We, and we've seen them in Ashland, Ohio. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Asheville, Ohio. Yeah. And then right after that, I went on to investigate a case in Ashland, Ohio, which coincidentally is the same distance between between Hellier and the TNT area. I remember you explained, like, mapping all this out yeah, for me. Yeah, like, the, the, the linear miles is the same, so there's a lot of coordinates that are coincidences. Yeah. But... One would call them synchronicities that mean that it's a conspiratorial pointing of the finger. Hey, you're on the right track. You never know. You never know. So I, I just I think it was, um, it was an adventure that I would have liked to have been a part of. Oh, I think yeah. everything that happened was very exciting and and real. But I don't know that it was tied into the David Christie email. I just don't. The David Christie emails sort of get lost in this whole story. Yeah, it was just a, like a spark or a starting point for the Hellier team. Yeah. I don't know what else to call them besides the Hellier team. Is that about right? That's about right. I so, love them all. The team, yeah. So we have <clears throat> we have Connor Randall, who uh, met Greg and Dana out at the Stanley in Estes, Colorado. Colorado, 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 Doritos, uh, <laughs> along with uh, Carl Pfeiffer, who was the the guy that actually shot the film. And I want to make a second to say that the way that Carl put together that film was just mind blowing. Like I idolize his filmmaking. A hundred percent. The cinematics are off the chain. The music, which I think Carl or Connor did the score. You know the the Hell Your Score theme. If I'm not mistaken, but so well done. Everything about the film, the way it was edited. I mean, 
he did a fantastic job. If if it would have been a documentary about a, a turd that hardened and turned white over eight episodes. My ass would have been watching it. It would have been awesome because Carl Pfeiffer made it. Yeah. Like, dude is killing He's so great. I really love the show. Do not mind my skepticism about what it was all about. I'm mm-hmm. just keeping it real. But everybody was fantastic in it. Oh, yeah. Especially Dana. But so Dana was Craig's wife, and they live in uh, Cincinnati. Yeah, or somewhere around there. I I did see another show where it said they lived in uh, across the. I remember that little town in Kentucky. I'm trying to think, and I'm not forget. totally Newport, even sure. Newport. Yeah. But um, they live over there, and they're you know they run the the museum, the traveling museum of occult and paranormal, or something yeah. like it, which is pretty cool. And they're also, uh, they've made several appearances on TV and all this stuff. And they also run the uh, Weekend Weird and Planet Weird websites. I think they were associated with Who Forted, which is a satire kind of kind of website that I didn't appreciate back in the day. Oh, my. But anyhow, they, they're very versed in paranormal. And then you have, uh, well, we talked about Carl and Connor. But they all just kind of met at the Stanley, became friends, and were uh, you know tied into this case through these so-called synchronicities, which I can't explain them. I just I'm not ready to say that David Christie and Indrid Cold uh, had their fingers on the plot and sending them on these wild adventures. I just don't know what to think about that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But yeah, it's a fantastic show. And um, speaking of, I mean, one of the things that they tie into heavily is the Mothman. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have a lot of experience with the Mothman thing, as you know. But that's that's an episode in of itself. Yeah, they start talking about uh, injured cold pretty heavily. I mean, if they received this email from this Terry Wrist and it had ink in the black and the Third Order is MIA and all this stuff. That stuff really does tie into the whole Endred Cold alien MIB type experiences of the Point Pleasant 67, 1967 era, um, which is interesting to me. Then there's an episode where they meet Woodrow Derenberger's, I think it's daughter. Daughter. Yeah, and she's Tanya. like Tanya, yeah. And Woodrow Derenberger, just so everybody knows, is a contactee of the Point Pleasant case back in like 67 68 claims to have claims to have yeah encountered and met Andrew cold on a highway like near parkersburg west virginia and Andrew cold i mean became a staple in ufology um because of darren Berger's account but in hellier they the hellier team actually went and met the 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 uh, daughter the daughter yeah Mm -hmm. um of woodrow darren Berger. Who claimed to have been in contact with Indrid's sons? Yeah, Connor uh, and Connard. Yeah, that's right. And they said that Indrid died in a vehicle crash or a ship crash, like a like a like a UAP UFO crash. Yeah. Oh. Yep. I don't know where I fall on all that. But, I don't either. I mean, but that's yeah. okay. The crew, like at the time, probably even knew what yeah. the fuck to think of that. I mean, yeah, but. I, when I read Keel, when I read John Keel's Mothman Proph- Prophecies book, I 
my impression through the whole thing was that Andred Cold was a an alien at first, and then I yeah. started picking up on like he no, he's a government guy. You know, he's an MIB yeah. man in black. But um, you know, supposedly that where he actually lived in um, was it Ashland, Kentucky, over the over the, right over the river from Ohio, mm-hmm. um, near the river there, and that's where one of the I think it was Terry Wrist had found Andrew Cold. You know, at a house or something like there that. There was like but, a little shack next to a the wagon wheel. Yeah, the wagon wheel. Yeah. So there's evidence presented in Hellier that Andrew Cold was uh, a real factual entity. Calling the person, calling the yeah, a being, fucking a spook or a government so, uh, agent or I have no idea. An alien. I don't know. I would like to think that he was an alien. I mean, his skin was pasty and melty, and he had like he was said to have had like a wire that ran into one part of his leg and out of the other and um, talked mechanically. But Andrew Cold is a big part of the Hellier experience. Now, related but unrelated, in the movie The Mothman Prophecy... I got to slurp. Go ahead and slurp. Listen, though. So in the movie The Mothman Prophecy, I haven't seen since I was a child because I fear it. Like, I don't even know if as an adult... And that sounds childish, but I don't know if as an adult I could sit through it comfortably. Just for personal reasons. But basically... You're not they... scared of the curse, right? No. Okay. I question it. I question it. We'll get into that. But do they talk about injured cold in that movie? In the Mothman prophecies? Yeah. No. No. No, so... The phone calls is what I'm referring to. The guy gets phone calls. So Richard Gere's character, which is loosely based on John Keel, the investigative role of John Keel received phone calls in the in the movie while he was in Point Pleasant. Mm-hmm. And so does the character of, um, uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but he lives in the house and he answers the door. John Keel's there in the middle of the night and he pulls him in with a shotgun and all that stuff. His character, he kind of went insane in the movie, mm-hmm. um, was in contact with someone who claimed to be named Andrew Cold. Okay. So the name Andrew Cold was tied into the movie as well. It comes in. Yeah. I was just making sure I wasn't crazy because, like yeah. I said, I was a child last time I saw yeah, that. Yeah, you so. should really watch that again. I know, I need to. I need... I, I don't know why I'm in such discomfort about it, but uh, I am. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's what kind of got me into it which will come i'll I'll share all that in a later episode but that's essential just for people that don't know i guess i'll share this but uh mothman evil incarnate an unauthorized companion to the mothman prophecies uh written by lauren coleman um back in the i don't know shit the 2002 2003 maybe even a little later than that time period i'd been in contact with lauren about including my mom your grandmother into his mothman death list curse um as an addition and lo and behold he did put her in there so um she is like number number 75 on the list next to robert stack who did unsolved mysteries as a host who died of mysterious happenings just like my mother did and my mother was tied into the point pleasant um 
enigma down there, and as was I, and I mentioned in the book as well. Um, but that's another, that's for another show. Uh, an important show. An important show. Heavy stuff um, there, but I'm glad the Hellier team linked in that stuff. I think it was highly relevant to their findings down there. Great investigative work, by the way, by that team. Like, never mind that I called it pareidolia. I, I, that's no, just a part of it. No, you bring a good point. Maybe the pareidolia is meant to be. I don't know. I applaud their spirituality and their their all of their techniques. You know, they're they're trying to invoke Pan in the last episode. Yeah, uh, the God Pan, and, and it's like I'm not knocking that because you do what you got to do to move forward. You yeah. know, if you think it's safe to do that, then do it. I don't know that I would go in a fucking cave and do what they did. But, I mean, that was very kind of hard to watch. Like, yeah. I was scared for them. Yeah. And you could tell Greg was very apprehensive to do the invocation part of that ritual. Yeah. Because Greg was, or Dana was kind of like, oh, I want Greg to do it. No. He was like, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, a lot of stuff happens in there. And then, you know, they, they venture off into different parts of that area of the United States. And it's primarily filmed and produced. You know, the production occurred in Kentucky, some in Ohio, and then, um, you know, some other parts. But um, great fucking show. Oh, it's great. Like, but I think that they stayed in a place called, I think, Jenkins. That uh, sounds correct. Jenkins, Kentucky, which is a little... Fairly close to, to Hellier in Pike County there, I do believe. And by the way, Hellier's only three and a half miles to the Virginia state border to the south. So it's very really? close to being right on the border. Yeah, hmm. three and a half miles. But anyway, the Jenkins uh, little cabin they had there was pretty tight. I mean, they That's had that where ex- they did the person. If they took it on the facts, the way it was presented could not really explain why Connor was tying in things and he was secluded from that conversation. He was tying in things that were happening around him. And the whole thing about the Estes thing is the the, the receiver of whatever messages are coming through is isolated from his surroundings, all center, sensory deprivation. Can't see people, obviously. Can't right. hear the conversations or the questions that are being asked. Right. So, I mean... Yeah. Any messages that come through are just... Yeah, and he was talking about, like, coyotes and things out in the yard and, you know, like, it's over there. And he said Carl's name 500 times. Yeah. He said 48 minutes, which happened to be a time that tied into a, a phone, phone call, call from 4848. Tyler Strand a little bit later, who's another uh, person on the show that appeared a little later. I think maybe in season two only. I'm not sure. But... You sure it was Tyler? I thought it was that old guy. Um, no, that for, that 48 minutes, I believe, was Tyler Strand. You could be right. I think so. I'm in a brain fog. I could be wrong, too. but And by the way, I did invite Tyler to come on this show. I Will was, shit pants. I was going to surprise you, but uh, I think I had a bad contact. So I was all hyped up to maybe get Tyler to appear, but I think he would have. And I did listen to a lot of podcasts where the whole gang did appear on some podcasts, but... Um, yeah. To even know that any of them listen to our bullshit today, like if you're watching, love you, but <laughs> I will shit my pants. Yeah. You even got your plant weird. Hoodie. Represent. Yep. Yep. So, but yeah, really great movie. Um, 
it goes everywhere. I think there's a little something for everyone in the in the series. That's what's I keep great calling about it a it. movie. So they're about fifty minutes apiece, something, yeah. something like that. The Night of Pan, which is the last episode in season two, where it kind of leaves everybody hanging, like, oh, what's where's season three? Yeah, was the longest part, the most watched, or I'm sorry, the the highly the most highly rated episode was, um, I think it was episode. I want to say five or six of season two. And I don't remember what the hell happened, but there was some highs and lows for the viewers, like an imdb.com, how they rated like kind of a rotten tomato score. But there were some, some episodes where people thought they were stinkers, but there were some where people were just like, fuck, this is great. You know? So the, the series has its critics and it's, and it's lovers, but I know it has a huge following. Yeah. And Greg's spoken out recently about the return of uh, Hellier in season three. And while there's no plans right now to have a return, um, he's not ruling it out. So maybe some things are going out. And a lot of people say that there's more than he's letting on to. I know that he was doing a project here recently. Um, and he's also executive producer of some like animated show that's going out on or happening in the desert out in the West part of the United States. But I think there's going to be a hell year three. I don't, I don't see how all the synchronicities just go, eh, we're done. I can't imagine they wouldn't right. keep the shit low key for obvious reasons because they're getting messages and emails about Mylar balloons and tin cans constantly. You know what I mean? Like and people maybe, are watching them. Maybe that'll be a part of the show or, you know, the next, um, introduction to you know the next piece of evidence that gets him going again yeah i don't know but maybe the night of pan episode went somewhere and we just seen it end i can't advocate 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 <laughs> if that's even the right word enough for people to watch this series like yeah it's essential it, it, it'll get you from the the first episode for sure it will or it won't from it, the first episode yeah yeah it will or it won't but um I'm going to say it will. Yeah. It's very good. So what is your... Hold on, I got to slurp. I guess, what is your your favorite part? I, I guess the your favorite part of all of the episodes. I really loved the interview with Alan Greenfield. Really? Yeah. Um, I really like, there's something about Alan Greenfield that I love. I don't know what it is. He's, He's pretty like, calm. Like I feel like you could hit him with a bat and the dude would just sit there and be like, yeah. He would have his hands like this. That was part of life. Because that's what he does. Yeah. You know? But I, I really, that was a good interview. He gave information, but it's like, like he gave enough information, but at the same time, I don't know. I can't of, even explain it. A lot of people think that the David Christie email came from Alan Greenfield. I think Greg and all them actually thought that at one point in the series as well. There were a lot of people telling them, you're doing a ritual for Alan Greenfield. I heard that too. And it took me a minute to put, like, why would people say that? Because of the cipher. Correct? Yeah. So I just wanted to make sure I'm not crazy. Like, that was why people were saying that, because they used the cipher. Which, I'm telling you, you just got to watch it to even know what the hell I'm talking about. But... I love that interview. Well, 
if Alan Greenfield knew anything about the Newkirks, he would know that they could be people that could pull that ritual off. Yeah. Because Dana, she's a hedge witch. Yeah. You know, she's practicing, and, and um, Greg is involved in some ceremonial magic and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, if Greenfield just was looking around the Internet for somebody that that could perform a ritual on his behalf and he thought the ghost hunters inked was ink website was still going. Maybe he took a chance and was like, Hey, I'll try these people. Like, you know what I mean? Maybe they'll get my ritual going because he was a former, what did they call it? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, a cult. Yeah. But they called it something else. Like he was a part of something he's no longer a part of. Basically people were saying you're doing this ritual for him because he can no longer Oh. Pull it off. I do. I do recall. I'd have to look more into it. Yeah. But but no that that whole thing was like that was a good it was a good part of the story. Yeah, for sure. I thought that was good. I I do think my favorite part of Hellier was the uh, the Estes experiment out in Jenkins on that porch of the cabin. Very good. When the stuff started happening, and even in the backyard when they first did that. That mm-hmm. offering ritual with the tobacco and the candles. Yeah. Um, they started hearing stuff behind them, but they didn't start hearing it until the ritual started, which is kind of spooky. Like, it's spooky. I feel yeah. like I wanted to be in that backyard, but I didn't. And then Dana's just standing there close to the bush. I'm like, get away from the bush. Girl, back up. Yeah. <laughs> For real. Don't be a part of that bush. No. Um, and then I could go on and on, of course, but um, <clears throat> what else? The God Helmet session. Was good. Yeah, so that took place in Point Pleasant. God, the God helmet is something I will never do. I, I wouldn't be able to handle it. Yeah, that's pretty deep. That's pretty deep, like yeah, it's pretty deep. First of all, I don't think they have a helmet that would fit my head. I, it's not so. even like a helmet. I don't think it's oh. like they <laughs> tape the things, and I don't know. You'd have to watch it, but right. the God helmet was intense, in my opinion. And um, that that episode where she's on Facebook Live in the cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They return to the cave, and she's getting all this bizarre stuff. Like, again, I just don't. And didn't Greg have an experience where, like, an alien abduction experience during that movie, during one of those sessions? Carl. Carl. Carl went and did the abduction experiment. Is that where they were hearing the footsteps on the roof of the and cabin? And Dana was like pointing yeah, to the... Yeah. That was pretty cool. That was good. And it is weird that when they do these things, shit starts being noticeably happening around them. You know, yeah. like uh, footsteps and shit in the bushes. And mm-hmm. and you don't really think about that stuff until you're doing something spooky. But on the surface, it's like, why does it start happening now? when you start like, performing some kind of magic or some experiment that's super deep but there's something in hellier for everybody whether you're on that psychic spiritual side or you know that ultra ultra terrestrial level where you think it's you're communicating with beings that are not of this earth whether you call them a ghost or a spirit or whatever Mm -hmm. i think greg is um a big uh supporter of using the estes method or other methods to contact more than just dead people mm-hmm. you know that form of communication where you can reach out to extra and ultra terrestrials as a form of communication through that but 
and who knows? I would like to try. I think on a future episode of Shadow Things, we'll do a, an experience, an experiment right here, mm-hmm. and see if we can. We'll pick a we'll pick kind of a control topic, where the the person who's the receiver will not know what the hell the other half is going to be talking about. Yeah, just to see if any of it jives. You know what I mean? Which would be kind of fun to do. So yeah, I'm pretty excited for that. We just need to get us an SB7 and a pair of. Well, I do have some noise canceling headphones, so we're all we're all set. I just need to get a spirit box, which I don't have. We're gonna have to yeah. get it together. Yeah. But, yep, yeah, um, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. So great series. Um, highly recommend that you did not watch or listen to this podcast and you watched it before you, you tuned in. There are some other great podcasts to show some support to others. Uh, you can find some great podcasts about Hellier and some of the team's uh, members of the, the series are on those podcasts. So give it a, give it a listen. But um, what, what are we talking about next on the next show? What are we talking about? I don't, I don't know. I literally don't know. Like, I looked at our schedule moving forward. And I want to change some things up. So I think we're going to do a surprise topic and not the one that I had posted on our social media. So um, probably going to do something very random and, and, and exciting. But I know we do have a field trip coming up, and that'll probably be on a June episode of Shadow Things. Mm-hmm. So that'll be at a haunted location where we're going to do um, it's going to be wicked. Yeah, some experiments and, and stuff. While, Are while we allowed to disclose that location Not yet? yet? Not yet? Okay. Not yet. we cool. got to kind of solidify that, that deal. But, but yeah, we're uh, moving in a groove in here on the Shadow Things podcast. And check us out on all of your favorite podcast distribution points, Spotify, you know, all that shit. Mm-hmm. Wherever, you, wherever you can find Joe Rogan, basically. Because <laughs> we're kind of like... Joe Rogan-ish. Trying. We're not, but but yeah. So there it is, folks. Watch Hellier. Please. You, you won't regret it. No. Tell us what you think by emailing us at talk at shadowthings.net. Let us know what you think about Hellier, and we'll share it on the uh, the next episode. We can kind of do a quick recap. Oh, yeah. Got anything else? Nope. All right. We're going to leave it there. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you on the flip side. And as always, stay in the light and out of the shadows.